everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. We are doing literally everything in our power to fix it because we care about them that much. Yeah. And if they don't have that trust with you, then it's going to blow up in your face. And it's going to be the time when the dad's yelling at you about where the cake is or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, where because the, they don't have that relationship. They don't have that trust. And there's definitely been times where we have failed in that. Like, we yeah. haven't built that trust in that relationship with our clients. And when something has gone wrong, it's gone really, 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 really yeah. wrong. Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it is as messy as you think. Because we know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And this year, we're talking with our guests about three important topics in our entrepreneurial journey, like team building, work-life balance, and how to recover from tragedy, both in business and in life. But up first is team building, because we know that as business owners, we're only as strong as our weakest link. We'll be talking about how to build, motivate, and empower your team. In our last episode, we talked with Maggie Kane about how she manages an ever-changing team of full-time staff, part-time staff, and volunteers. So this week, the two of us are talking about the lessons we learned from Maggie, about business and life, and some of the mistakes we've made along the way. All right. What a fun interview. So much energy. So much energy, which I love. And I think it's just part of it is being in person. And we say that all the time, but it's so nice when people are in the studio. It is nice. It makes such a big difference. Yeah. I feel like you feed off each other a little bit better. Yeah. It's not that awkward. Like, do they say something? Are we delayed? You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. There was, was no delay. No, it was great. Yeah. So good. Well, I mean, I just love so many things about her. Mm-hmm. Like all of the, like, just finding that passion and pursuing it and like wanting to make a difference in like her corner of the world yeah. and whatnot and going I, after that. Yeah. I loved her humility. Like mm-hmm. even just like how she came about just like the idea and yeah. how much she realized she had to like the drive she had to learn from other people and not just saying, and I think that's so rare sometimes even in the nonprofit world, like where it's like, Oh, I have this idea. Like I'm going to do it. And this is like, I'm just going to do it, you know? Yeah. And I don't need, advice from other people or whatever, like, this is my dream or whatever. And I feel like she was just very humble about it. Like, I had this idea and there's other people that have done it and see, like, they are successful. So let me learn from them. Yeah. Let me figure it out. Yeah. Well, I thought that she's obviously a super unique person. And I thought that, like, her view on people really helped her kind of fulfill that that vision. Yeah. No. Well, just her passion for people in general. Yeah. Like how much she just, you could just tell. And you, I mean, I hope you could hear it through the podcast, but just the joy and I don't know, admiration she has, not just for her staff, but even like her talking about people that she connected with and how much she couldn't walk away from the day shelter. Mm -hmm. She just loved those people so much. How 10 of them came to her graduation. I I know. I mean, like you have got to be an amazing person. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's like just, uh Yeah, I know. I can see why she's a mini celebrity. <laughs> she's a mini Raleigh celebrity. It's true. Yeah. She won't say that, but it's true. 
Totally true. So going through your favorite thought kind of okay. on this episode. <laughs> well, we had a lot, but I would say the one that I really loved the most is when she said, when people don't get your mission, your community will not survive. And I just felt this on so many levels. Like, yes, for business, for sure, 100%. And I could see that. Like, if you have people on your in your team who just don't believe in your mission. And I don't even think it's like for her it is a literal mission, you know, to feed, you know, people, but for like other businesses, it may not be like a literal mission, but like what you stand for, what your values are and, and really like what your goals are for your company. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've had a couple of employees where, and I don't think it's been blatant, but where I feel like they're just not on the same page. Like they don't trust my leadership. Right. And it's really hard and it really does put a drag on the community. Like mm-hmm. I feel like our community suffers. So from the business side, yes, for sure. But I also really feel this at home. And I feel like like in your house. Oh, my house. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I feel like this is a lot of times when you hear people, whenever you talk about like preteens or teenagers, or like every person's like, oh my gosh, they're for the teenagers, teenagers, so this, so that, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, and I mean, granted, I have a 12 year old and a 10 year old. So we're not quite into the full on right. teenage years. And I am not trying to say these people are wrong, but I really feel like I hope that we are instilling in our children to buy in to the mission of our family. Yeah. Like that we're all, that these are our goals. And this is like where we want to be and where we want to go and what we all want to achieve. And mm-hmm. and I feel like when they buy into that, like I feel like it could be smoother and yeah. better. I don't know. But it's like, <laughs> I mean, it even goes down to like on a Saturday when you're like, okay, we're going to clean the house. And everyone's like, oh, I don't want to do it. And I'm like, look, like we're going to do this for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And after this, we don't have to touch it for another seven days. At a minimum, because mm-hmm. most of the time I'm going to be too busy, so it'll probably be 14 days. <laughs> but I need for you guys just to clean it that well that I don't have to think about it for another week. And then we don't have to, we don't have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it's done. And it's like, and you can see them like kind of like buying into the concept of like, okay, all right, let's do this together. And mm-hmm. then it's done, you know, yeah. on a very superficial <laughs> level of that. But yeah. No, I love that. I, I think that we... We talk about this actually often with other companies and when we mm-hmm. talk about how to build a great team and how like one of the most important steps is what we call like getting your shit together. And mm-hmm. one of those steps in getting your shit together is having a mission statement, yeah. like having like a shared value or a, yeah. a shared goal or something that you're striving towards. So you use it for so much, like either like even vetting the potential yes. employee that you might have progress monitoring your yeah. current employees. Are they embodying that? Are they embodying that? Yeah. Like what's the client experience with service industry? So what's the client mm-hmm. experience like? Are they embodying right. that mission statement with our clients? So I think it is so important because I think that you can tend to get really lost. And also I think that's one of the hardest things like as a manager is when you just literally like can't put your finger on right. why it's not working. Right. And I think there's been many times in our situation where mm-hmm. we've, we've not had a mission statement. We've not had a value or a goal. Like, it's kind of fairly recent for us in our 17 years, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, probably the last, what, like five or something. Yeah. We know this person isn't, like, quite fitting, but we can't exactly say right. why. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, and it's not even, like, a good or a bad thing. Like, oh, they're good or, oh, they're bad. Or we're wrong and they're right. But it's like, it's just literally like something's not fitting. Yeah. And it's shocking too when it happens. Like we talk a lot about like our worst hire and how they she took the other person with them. And I think that prior to the person that she took with her, 
I think prior to I'm like, oh, she's a great team member. She's fits on yeah. the team so well, blah, blah, blah. And then when she left, it was like almost like someone pulled like like opened our eyes and mm-hmm. you could see how one, it wasn't a shock that she left. Yeah. And two, how much she did not buy into what we were trying to do and our values. And it's, I'm not even talking about like monetarily, but just the literal like who we are as people yeah, and who, what we like to, uh, what what we like to embody. Yeah. Yeah. So what we like to embody and what, you know, what we stand for. And I, and, you know, realize that that just wasn't what she stood for. Right. At all. Yeah. In any way. And not, and like Corey said, it's not because she was a bad person. It's just, it wasn't a good fit. Right. You know, that wasn't her, wasn't her priority, you know? And I think, like talking through, like when she was talking a little bit about dealing with people who don't embody that value or yeah. like really getting to the root of it. Like we've definitely learned that like the hard way. Oh, so many, so much the hard way. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, like fear. Yes. And I think we'll talk about this in a minute, but yeah. like, kind of like the fear of that, you know, confronting that or like, yeah. what's an employee going to think? Or, oh, we're, we're in charge of their well, livelihood. But then also how it's like, you have to value your culture over a person. Yeah, but it's also it was that. But I think we didn't trust ourselves. Yeah, we didn't trust that we were that we were right. We didn't know it was wrong. Yeah, but we just. But I think everyone has that guttural reaction, and your gut you knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And we've been so much better about like listening to that mm-hmm. and saying like, you know what, this just isn't this isn't right. Right. Like gutturally, this is not the right move for us at all. And I can't put my finger on why it is, but I just don't yeah. feel peace about it. And and trusting that that means is there, that that there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. What was your favorite? My favorite thought was how she talked about friend raising yeah. as opposed to yeah. fundraising. And not that. that I've really ever like tried to raise funds like for our business purposes through sure. fundraising. But I think that every business should be fundraise. Oh, yeah. Because it's all about, it's not necessarily about just you and your mission or your vision or your team, but like, it's all the people that you surround your business mm-hmm. with too, that I think mm-hmm. is what I would kind of consider like friend raising. Like right. when I have like a question or a thought or an idea then I can go to another fellow entrepreneur or another friend that's like a basically like one of our business allies and mm-hmm. kind of pitch that to them or get their thoughts on it or like help me out of a hard situation. I think it's so important to kind of take on that mindset of friend raising to create mm-hmm. a successful business. No, I totally agree. Yeah. I think you're like that community that you build outside of your company, but with other fellow like-minded entrepreneurs or just even like a lot of our friends aren't even entrepreneurs. They're just, you know, high-level managers mm-hmm. or people that run departments or whatnot that we love dearly. And yeah, I know. they help you get through it. I know. Yeah. Because yeah. it's hard. It is hard. I loved, I love that thought was friend yeah. raising. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I think also it makes it feel a little less transactional. Yes. Too, which I think yes. is important. Yeah. Especially if you are trying to sure. raise some money. Uh-huh. <laughs> Valid. Yeah. 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 Well, we are going to uh, talk about some tangible business takeaways and then we're going to get into some great life takeaways, but tangible business takeaway. Yeah. So the first one that I thought was a great business takeaway was don't be afraid of conflict. This is kind of going back into what you were saying a little bit before, yeah. but- I love it how she said we believe in conflict. This is not her saying I'm I'm not afraid of conflict, but we as a company believe in conflict. So when there's a problem, we're gonna say, we should say before we're teaming, like, what's the conflict? Let's get it out, let's figure it out. Yeah. Right. 
And I really, really, really admire that. I think it really shows a lot of things. One, that you have kind of a zero tolerance policy for like the bickering and the fights yeah. and whatever hap whatever ha is happening. But then it also allows people to know that like conflict is normal. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong. Yeah. It just means that there is either miscommunication or misunderstanding or a expectation. Like a lot of the times, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And if we're so, I'm like super afraid of conflict. I'm okay at dealing with conflict, but I really don't like it. And I really hate it when our people have conflict. Like together? Yeah, like especially when I'm in the room. Like I have like that total like anxiety, like it stresses me out. So like when I can see like, you know, like our venue person, our salesperson, like they're kind of like clashing. I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. It's okay. Let's just, what she's trying to say here. And it's like, maybe I should just let the conflict ride, you mm -hmm. know, let it, let it go. Like get it out. Yeah. Get to the root of Which it. Which is so odd because obviously we are like, sisters and business partners. So it's not like conflict is an abnormal state for us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it's like odd that you'd have so much angst about it. Well, I don't like having conflict with well, you. Well, I don't either. I'm not <laughs> saying that I like it too. I mean, for sure. No, I don't. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like the way it makes me feel. Yeah. At all. And I really just don't like watching other people have conflict. I, I like, it's, it's a serious thing, like even fake conflicts, even like TV movies, mm -hmm. like and it's not about suspense. It's about like when I know something like there's this conflict that's going to happen, I just don't want to watch it. <laughs> I just want to change the channel or like fast forward through it because I just don't want to deal with like that. And I don't know what it is. Good thing you weren't like a 1950s housewife and relegated to soap operas every day. That's literally like one conflict after another after yeah. another. I don't know. I've been watching this new TV show called Bad Sisters. Okay. It's so good. Is there there's a lot a, of conflict? There's a lot of conflict <laughs> with one with the main character. And it's like, and it's intense conflict. It's not like oh. menial things, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's intense. And I have, I'm, I've been making myself watch it because it's good. Yeah. Every time I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch this. No, I mean, I feel like if I just think back on like life history where I don't really necessarily like conflict or I avoid conflict, it always ends up worse. Mm, it's true. Then if you 100%. just address it and right. then you feel so much better mm -hmm. after the conflict. I know. Going in the middle of it does not feel good. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of it, like once you've resolved it, I think what happens, I think what happens is if you don't address a conflict, you start to create stories that aren't necessarily true concerning mm -hmm. said conflict. Mm -hmm. And so now you're not only dealing with whatever the issue is, but also like the untruth surrounding it. And you're presuming that this person is thinking that or saying this or whatever, whereas it may not be that way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I tend to be a, a more of a conflict avoider and it's definitely bitten my ass on yep. more than like 35 occasions. Yes. <laughs> it's very true. I know. And it's like if I just had had the conflict. Yeah. That things would have ended up better. And I, you know what I like thinking through it. I wonder what it's about because like, like you said, I don't have a problem having conflict with you but I feel safe in a relationship I don't have a problem having conflict with my husband like when he's pissing me off like it'll take me a minute and I'll just finally be like you know what you're just really pissing me off right mm -hmm. now and I don't agree with this this is wrong yeah I don't like the way you made me feel in this moment or whatever like I'm not afraid to have that conflict but like with other people I am I mean it's, maybe it comes down to whether you feel safe and secure in the relationship so for me and like I could definitely speak to this as one like do I give a damn about you if mm -hmm. I don't I'm not going to go through the conflict because it's mm -hmm. just not worth it to me right like if I don't have like hold you in high regard or really give much credence to the outcome of the conflict I'm not going to go through it and then also do I feel like safe or secure enough 
Mm-hmm. to have that conflict because I do think when you enter into something that's confrontational it's like a vulnerable state you right, know like they're right. calling you on your shit you're calling them on their shit and I feel like you have to feel like they have your best interest because again going back to that first part like if they don't like I don't want to have it with you right you know so there's lots of things I don't address just because it's literally not worth the like emotional mm-hmm. expense of it and then I think the third thing is like you're just literally like fed up and this is probably the worst time to have conflict is yeah. when you're like you have pushed me to the edge. I'm at the edge of the rope and you're basically just fighting for your existence mm-hmm. through this conflict. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I definitely feel like for us, we've handled things better, but like we tend to, for us, we're such conflict avoiders. And I think as we've, our relationship has grown, it's gotten better that we've gotten to that kind of last one where you just feel like you're mm-hmm. literally at the edge of your rope and you're right. bringing your worst self to the right. conflict. Right. But I think once you create this atmosphere of trust mm-hmm. and relationship, and you mutual respect, then the conflict is worth it. And you don't ever really get to that point. Right. Which I think is like totally going back to like that business advice yeah. is getting your office, your company mm-hmm. in a place with that mutual respect where they're safe and secure in those relationships. So you can have those conflicts, yeah. get to the end of it and move on. Which I think like it moves in great into the next takeaway. Business takeaway to me is it's better to manage from a place of relationship. Yes. Yes. Not necessarily authority. Right. But of relationship. Yeah. And we, that to me, that was like kind of when she was talking about when she had that quote unquote bad apple and she's like, we're going to try them here. We're going to try them there. We're going to try them there here. And like kind of giving them all those opportunities because recognizing that maybe, maybe it was management Mm -hmm. that there is making them not thrive. Maybe it's their skills. Maybe it's their personality. Right. You know, and I know we've seen that before. We've seen employees change overnight because you've put them in in a position where they feel successful as opposed to a position where they felt unsuccessful. Yeah. And then they're like this amazing employee. And you're like, where have yeah. you been? You know, and it's just they were having a hard time. Like, yeah. And I think that all comes from like developing those relationships and like understanding them as people, re- mm-hmm. realizing, letting them realize that you see them as people first yes. and employees second yes. and that you care about them. And right. the reason that you're even bringing this up or going back to like that conflict or whatever is because you have respect for them and right. care for them and it's worth it to you. And yeah. You want to make it work. Yeah. I thought that was really great business advice. Yeah. Even when she was talking about what was it, the word, and I had no idea what she was saying at the time, the community de-escalation specialist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what? Like, and I had to spell it out for me. Oh, it's like a security guard yeah. that works on relationship. No, but I think that's, I think it's totally valid. And I think what's, I think what's hard too is for us as kind of, CEOs of sort, we mm-hmm. are CEOs, and then also managers because we don't have a person between us, yeah. right? I guess not like we're up here and then telling our man, our senior managers to tell this to our team. Like we're still actively managing our team. There is a point where that relationship, you have to find that line. Yeah, I right? know. And sometimes I think I fail at that line and sometimes I think I get that line really right. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a lot of skill and finesse to do that. But I think ultimately the relationship she's speaking of here is that you respect them, mm-hmm. that you value them, that you appreciate them and you know that you give them a voice. Yeah. Yeah, which kind of goes into the next takeaway which I really love, just give your employees a purpose and a voice. Kind of a, a little bit of like ownership. Yeah. You know like when she was talking about how she has a problem and she's going to pose it to the team. Which I love how she said that because they're all smarter than me. And she's like, I don't even know that I have a tangible skill. 
which I've said this many times, mm-hmm. like I don't exactly know what my tangible skill is. Mm-hmm. But I really could identify with that. And I'm yeah. all, and it brings me back to that quote that it says that if like I'm not the weakest link on my team, then like I haven't done my job. Right. You know, like hiring yes. those people that are kind of stronger and better than you. But, you know, allowing those people who you've trusted to hire with these like certain skills kind of have ownership over the direction that they're going to mm-hmm. go, give them a, a voice in the direction your company is going to go. Mm-hmm. And I think like the buy-in and the like retention is so much greater. Oh, I know. And it, and I definitely think there's varying levels of it. Like for us, we have obviously like directors who are, you know, high level and they're like have a certain role and then you have people that are under them. And really ultimately for me, when let's talk about the Bradford staff, like with my directors, I'm giving them that purpose and voice. And then I want them to give their employees a purpose and voice because I don't necessarily directly manage the people under them. Right. But you want to create that like example for them so that they're, you know, doing the same thing for for their people that they directly manage. But I really feel like this is a ticket and especially in the world that we live in now and you're this next generation coming up where I feel like millennials started to tap into this a little bit. But these Gen Zers, like they have to have a purpose. They mm-hmm. have to feel like they're making a difference. They have to feel like they are doing something. And whether that means that's their job or that they're making enough money to use their money to do something for good yeah. is so important. And I think that for so long as bosses, we have a really hard time letting go of control, mm-hmm. you know, like even down to, you know, for us like, oh, I've made this SOP and it's great and it's wonderful. And it took me a couple of years to be like, okay, you can change it. It's okay <laughs> if you change it. And I had to like, honestly, like really like take a beat and say, do they want the same end goal? Mm-hmm. Like, are we getting to the same solution? Yeah. And yeah, we were, but they just didn't love the process that I created because that's how my my mind thinks, but it's not how their mind thinks. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay to give them that ownership of that because ultimately they're now doing the job. I'm no longer doing that job. Right. That's not me doing it anymore. Yeah. It's them doing it. So how do you want to handle it? And so I think in this season where I've taken over like, managing the Bradford a little bit more as opposed to just saying, we're going to be doing this. And like, well, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Like, how does this, do you want to start using this software? Is this something you want to do? And then like slowly like giving them better words and like, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, why don't you like mm-hmm. it? Give me some reasoning. And then, you know, ultimately the solution's the same. They're all, it's the same product mm-hmm. at the end of the day, but maybe you don't like the path it takes to get there or whatever. But yeah. I thought that was really, really sage advice. I thought so too. Give them a purpose and give them a voice. And then I think, segueing into the next thing, because I think when people do have purpose and voices, it goes back to your culture. And she was talking about how the client experience is directly related Mm -hmm. to your company culture. Mm -hmm. And I could definitely not agree more that like happy employees that aren't overly tired, overly exhausted, or, you know, not given a living wage or they have the resources mm-hmm. to, you know, get healthy when they need to get healthy, et cetera, make for better, you know, client care mm-hmm. coordinators or people or interactors right. or interfacers or whatever you want to say it. Right. I think the happiness of your client is directly related to the happiness of your employees. Yeah. I mean, so she said it like it was your people will keep coming back if you have a good product mm-hmm. and a good community. Yes. And I feel like, and this is the, one of the biggest things that when we talk about company culture, ultimately you're just building a community Yeah. within your company, right? right. 
And community is about relationships and, and respect, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what community is. And so I think when she was talking about that client experience, it yeah, I agree with you. It's totally about like meeting their needs. Yeah. But I also think it's meeting their needs like financially, but I think it's also meeting their needs like emotionally. Yeah. Like that they feel seen and cared for. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and valued, and valued and respected because it's hard to see and care and respect somebody else if you don't feel that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you don't feel safe and secure and valued, it's hard for you to provide that for somebody else. Right. So I think that is totally true. Like I felt like she talked about a lot of things that we'd like, we hope to embody and like mm-hmm. to embody on our team and think are super important towards that building a team and growing businesses that way. Yeah. I mean, and it's honestly, it's the cornerstone of how we run our business. Mm-hmm. And it's, and for us, when we're talking about our clients, it's, especially some clients, like we have varying clients. So clients that we plan their wedding for years, we have clients where we're just their event manager. We have clients where we're just their venue manager, right? So we have these, all these different levels of it. And there's, I think you've had one, you said you've had one wedding that was a hundred percent perfect. It was Alex and Franz. Oh. Like the day was perfect. It was super smooth. There yeah. was no issues, no hiccups. And I think all of us, you know, after doing thousands of weddings could maybe on one hand count mm-hmm. the wedding where it went perfectly because it's people and it's real life. And yeah. there's so many things out of your control, like weather, mechanical, all that stuff, whatever. So to us, what's most important is that our clients buy into our community. They yeah. buy into who we are as a as a company because something's going to go wrong on their day. <laughs> It's going to happen. And they have to be able to see you as people. And they have to be able to see us as people. Mm-hmm. And they have to be able to know us well enough to know that we are doing literally everything in our power to fix it because we care about them that much. Yeah. And if they don't have that trust with you, then it's going to blow up in your face. And it's going to be the time when the dad's yelling at you about where the cake is or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, where because the, they don't have that relationship. They don't have that trust. And there's definitely been times where we have failed in that. Like, we yeah. haven't built that trust, that relationship with our clients. And when something has gone wrong, it's gone really, 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 really yeah, wrong. Yeah, I know. Because of that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've learned that lesson. And so for us, it's like really what it's about. It's like our clients, yes, they love the product. The Bradford's beautiful. Our planning services are great. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But it's really about who we are as a community that they're buying. Totally agree. Yeah. So I thought that was really great advice. Yeah. All right. The last thing we want to talk about is the life takeaway. So I think so often like what we learn in business could definitely be translated to life skills or whatnot. And I felt like Maggie had so many great life takeaways just in general. Mm -hmm. But what was your favorite life takeaway? I would say when she said that most people are looking for a hand up, not a hand out. Yes, I loved that statement. I did too. And I feel like just, I don't know, ugh, like in the world we live in and all the shit we're told that people who are experiencing poverty or experiencing homelessness, that it's what they want. Mm-hmm. And they're just asking for a handout. Like yeah. they're just doing it because they want to get food stamps or, you know, mm-hmm. they want someone to save them and rescue them. And I think what she has experienced, and I think obviously is the truth is that most people, they're not looking for a handout, looking for a handout. They want to be part of a community. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to be seen as a person and they want to be a part of something and whatever circumstances got them to where they were wasn't because they're looking for a handout. Yeah. That was pretty powerful. I did too, because I think it kind of goes against what 
like mainstream media tells you? Well, it's what we were, I mean, we grew up with Reagan. Yeah. Welfare queens. Right. That's what we were told our entire life. Right. You're on food stamps. It's because you want it. Yeah. Right. But the fact, even her talking about how even if someone needs food, right. but they may not be the most skilled volunteer, like they don't have a spot for them and it's not working out well, that it's really hard to convince somebody not to volunteer right. for their food, which right. I think is very counterintuitive yes. to a lot of the message that we're given. Right. That people do actually want to, right. given an opportunity to, mm-hmm. they will figure out how to earn for themselves. Mm-hmm. Do it for themselves. Right. Because ultimately, I think that's what people really do want. Yeah, because I think it's like a matter of, you know, pride and self-confidence and those mm-hmm. kind of things, you know. I was curious. I meant to, I really wanted to ask her, and I think the conversation got away when I, when it went away, but like how much of it she talked about, like how people felt like they have a choice when they choose their food. And they feel seen as a human sitting mm-hmm. and eating. But like how much of it also is the fact that they feel seen being productive. Yeah. And like how powerful is it for them to work? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I think it's good for people. Yeah, it makes them feel like, oh, yeah, like I am a, I'm a whole person. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm not just seen as a human. I'm not just, I don't, I. It's not just I get to have a choice of what I eat, but I also get to work and contribute to a, a greater good. Like, yeah, and that my contribution matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is, you kind of see that on a, on a small scale, like when you're raising kids, mm-hmm. like how much a toddler loves to work. Right. Like they just love to feel like yes. they're contributing mm-hmm. to something. Right. Even though they may or may not be. Right. right? But they, and then it kind of like goes away mm-hmm. like for a bit, you know, <laughs> but like when they're little, like it's, your, I think it's your nature to want to contribute and make things better. Yeah. And I think that, you know, tying in the fact that what she said is, in the very beginning of the interview that she just kind of met people where they were at. Like mm-hmm. she create, wanted to create a space where two worlds could kind of collide in a lot of ways because that is where change happens. Yeah. That's where community happens. That's where relationship happens. And I think that for a lot of us, I think if we had the opportunity to be around people who are outside of our communities outside of our privilege or whatever, um, we would see this very thing that she's talking about. Yeah. Is that it's not about what I can give them, but how can they help the world as a whole? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That was really, really powerful. So my life takeaway was just the kind of general idea about entrepreneurship, how she was saying that the idea of entrepreneurship to her is a shared journey, Mm -hmm. how it's not necessarily this like singular thing that it's actually... Again, I think getting back to like that community that everybody, as much as we like to think, doesn't have every skill that it takes to make something successful, launch something, get something off the ground, et cetera, and that we need to be looking outside of ourselves and beyond ourselves to be able to be successful at that. And I think you could like certainly take that word entrepreneurship and put it to like anything, like like a family or a community or whatever is the journey is meant to be shared. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. I, I think I thought that was very powerful. I knew you were going to pick that one, by the way. Oh, like, yeah. When she said it. I was like, oh, Corny's all over that. <laughs> Same, because I feel like, and again, getting back to what she said, I was just like, I really don't have a unique skill. I feel like my skill, oddly enough, is actually in recognizing other people's abilities to contribute mm-hmm. and what, like for our team in particular, what they can bring to the team and do. Mm-hmm. That is you know, different from ours or unique from ours, or that's going to move the needle forward or whatever. Like, I feel like I'm able 
to speak to people and put people in places where they can be successful. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I am, and it is probably, probably out of necessity because I do not have a lot of those skills. <laughs> like where it's, yeah. I don't have like the technology skills or the social media skills or the, you know, the process type skills, like all of those things are things that are lacking for me. So mm-hmm. I can easily recognize like, oh, you have that skill that would be great. And you have that skill that would be great. Yeah. But I do think that when you view it that way, and I think this is for me, like, yes, I love, you know, building business and uh, I love crunching numbers and making something go from nothing to profitable, like super exciting. But I definitely think it's all about the community and the team that we've built and seeing other people thrive in a space that we've created mm-hmm. that is the most rewarding thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think that's why entrepreneurship is supposed to be a shared journey. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think we've ever gone on anything and said, oh my God, we're here because of me and you. Mm-hmm. Like the only reason why we have any amount of success in this is because we decided really early on that we needed to hire people mm-hmm. because we couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, cause we just, for whatever reason it may be skill, not skill, emotions too close to the product, like oh, yeah. all the things that realized that this is, we just weren't the right the right it's, tool. It's so true. I remember <laughs> early it. early on when doing sales the Bradford, all I could all I could focus on was every single flaw. And I swear mm-hmm. I like pointed it out on the sales things like, oh, just don't disregard that paint. Disregard this. Just we're gonna fix that. And they're probably yeah. like, what is this person? Yes. And yeah. uh, and I'll bring it up to Molly now and like she doesn't even see them. Right. It's begs a whole other question. How can you not see that? But yeah. you know, it's still like that's all my mind thinks is like right. how is the shortcoming, you know? Yeah. One of the stories that I really loved about her journey is how she was like did the golden corral and started researching businesses and like kind of was building this, you know, friend raising and talking to people and getting people on her on board. And then she said there came a point where I was like, we've got to actually like live this mission. Right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a hundred percent how she envisioned it to be, mm-hmm. but she was like, let's just take a step. Like, mm-hmm. let's just do this thing, see where it goes, try out this model on this very small scale when she did those brunches. Yeah. And I thought that was so admirable because I think sometimes we get so caught up in if it's not perfect, I'm not going to do it. Right. If it's not exactly how I envisioned it, right. it's not worth doing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she was able to say, okay, let's try this. Mm-hmm. Let's do this and tweak it here, see where it goes from here. I thought was like super, super wise. Well, yeah, because I think that that expectation or that need or whatever to have everything perfectly flushed out and mm-hmm. it's 100% is paralyzing. It is. Yeah. And people are like, well, I, I just can't do it because mm-hmm. it's not perfect. Like if I don't know exactly how it's going to go from like A to Z, like I'm not going to even start at A. Right. Yeah. Right. When as any entrepreneur knows, like nothing ever goes A to Z. No, it doesn't. And I think that you just have to, I think. And I think sometimes that pressure of just <laughs> doing it yeah. kind of propels you a little bit further. So sometimes when you're like, okay, I put it out in the atmosphere, I'm going to do this, or I've paid for this website or whatever, and it kind of pushes you to do it. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I thought that I, I remember thinking that too, that she, that was like really brave, but also mm-hmm. I thought really smart Yeah. at the same time to yeah. just say like, hey, let's try this. Let's see if this is like what our city wants and yeah. needs. Because I think that's super important is, do you have the market for it? Yeah. Is this something people are going to buy into? Yeah. Because all these people, you've said you're fundraising, friend raising. They're your friends. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you, yeah, let's do it. I know. But like, <laughs> is the community want to do it? Because the community is the one that's got to pay for it. Yeah. Like, 
your friends can only eat lunch there so many times a day, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I thought that was like a really wise thing. Like, hey, let's test it out. Yeah. See where it lands. You yeah, know? I thought it was like really brave to do something that wasn't like fully how she thought it would start, mm-hmm. you know? I thought that was a really super fun episode. That really and great. that was a really great perspective yeah. on lots of things, especially like that kind of volunteer angle mm-hmm. that, you know, going after like a genuinely true passion. And it's, you yeah. know, we talked a lot about doing business for good here, but it's like, it was almost the opposite. Like yeah. she did good to start a business. To start a business. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I really love that. Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about team building. To learn more about A Place at the Table, you can visit tableraleigh.org or follow at tableraleigh on Instagram. And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, at Anthem.house, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll see you next time on Hustle & Gather.